This is Women's Magazine, Mutiny Radio, San Francisco. You're listening to Women's Magazine here, MutinyRadio.fm, San Francisco. I'm Global Val. Of course, that was Rage Against the Machine. Know your enemy. It's 2017, folks. And last weekend, of course, last Friday was the presidential inauguration uh, with low uh, attendance. And uh, followed by the largest protest on U.S. soil. So here we are. It's 2017. For some reason, Donald Trump is the president. Uh, 
I know we've been trying to work, wake up from this weird nightmare since November, or maybe even throughout the past year when the whole election was happening and uh, we were seeing our, ourselves as citizens presented with these options of people to vote for president and just shaking our heads. Um, we did have the, uh, I hate to use the word hope, um, but we did have the fire lit under us, uh, the inspiration of Bernie Sanders, and uh, people have not forgotten that. And uh, women across this country, and not just women, of course, but uh, are not forgetting the slights that the new president has made, not only against women, but against almost every section that you could define of society that do not include rich white males. And, you know, I'm not going to hate on men. I don't hate men. I come from a, a, a family of brothers, um, uncles who are dear to me, uh, friends, lovers, whatever it may be. I'm not, I'm not here to hate on men. Um, but <laughs> the outpouring of the women across the country and around the world that showed up on Saturday in cities, in towns, uh, to stand up and say, we're not going to take this, Mr. Whatever you are. Um, we're not going to sit here for the next, however long you may end up being president and, uh, and say that that's okay. I was on BART yesterday and I was sitting down and there were some folks standing up and they were having a very normal little conversation. And uh, one of the men said to the other, he said, you know, I was watching the protests on Inauguration Day. I saw them on TV and you know, I was watching the ones in New York. And, you know, I mean, I can understand people not liking Donald Trump, but I didn't really understand why people were um, protesting the inauguration itself. You know, I mean, he got elected and... Um, you know, I mean, he's the president and so I'll, I'll support him for if he does good things and he's not my favorite guy, but, uh, you know, and then not support him if he does shitty things or bad things. So I sat there quietly, respectfully. I'm not a crazy person, you know, <laughs> I'm not, not going to start freaking out, uh, on strangers. Um, but I really felt like I really wanted to say something, um, because he posed it as kind of a rhetorical question. And then they continued their conversation about this and that and the other thing. And the whole time, and I know, uh, ladies, you, you, if you're out there listening, you know how it feels when you really want to say something, it may not be the right moment, uh, but you really want to say it and you start to get those butterflies in your stomach and you almost start to shake a little bit because you're not really sure if you should just hold back and because you're kind of like a little bit of afraid of freaking out um, if you open your mouth, but then also really wanting to say something. And so I kind of take a couple deep breaths and I was like, how am I going to do this? It's not easy. This is a stranger. I've never met this person before. Okay. So I decided after they stopped talking, I said, excuse me, may I respectfully respond and try to answer your earlier rhetorical question? <laughs> and he said, sure. So I was able to have a very civil, democratic experience. And I didn't, you know, talk about all the extreme stuff that you could. Um, all I said what I, my initial points were, I said, well, I believe people were not, were protesting the inauguration because the person who was inaugurated is categorically opposed to every part of the first amendment of the bill of rights. Uh, he feels that the press has no worth that, uh, you shouldn't say anything if it's not nice about him, that protest, which you know, peaceful assembly, um, you know, should be thwarted, tamper, tampened, dampened. Um, and he basically ran his whole campaign against an entire religious sect. I said, so 
that's why I think people were out there protesting the inauguration. And, uh, you know, he was open. And, and I guess his point was, you know, well, I just saw a lot of people out there. And I just didn't really understand, you know, like they didn't necessarily have the you know, weren't articulating it the way that you were. And, you know, they all kind of seemed to be almost having a good time. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, I said, not everybody makes a sign. And, uh, you know, you've got to have some, some joy in connecting with other people. Um, you know, I think a lot of people are just have been upset, scared, um, depressed <laughs> and, uh, you know, want to go out and, and find camaraderie. He's like, yeah, they were just kind of, you know, like talking to each other. I said, yeah, they, you know, people wanted to connect. I'm like, Hey, get some out of the house. Right. So, you know, we ha- we actually really had this kind of good, positive, non-critical, you know, exchange. Um, and then, uh, an older woman who was standing, sitting in front of me, she jumped into the conversation because she wanted to talk about it too. And she's like, freedom of speech, you know? (laughs) And, uh, you know, of course here at mutiny radio, that's one of our, our, I mean, that's like, nothing really trumps (laughs) freedom of speech. Nothing trumps freedom of speech. Let's go with that. Um, And that was my sign that I carried at the women's March last week. One side said first amendment rights, because if you, as so, when someone is sworn in as the president, there's only 45 words to that, to that uh, inauguration, to that uh, oath of office. And the oath of office is to swear to uphold, to the best of one's ability, the Constitution of the United States. So when you have the, someone who is the, as I said, to the very, you know, welcoming stranger uh on bart yesterday who i actually saw on the street today again i I waved (laughs) i don't know if he saw me um you know so obviously there is a, a a dangerous figure in the white house but not just one uh this is just someone whose ego is being propped up by a very deep dark um power structure that's been doing a lot of damage in our country and around the world for a very long time. But it is time to do your homework. I just came from work. I'm a teacher, so I'm going to tell you to do your homework. But if you've already done your homework, I don't need to teach you anything uh, new. However, uh, certainly we're all in this together. Um, if anything, the women's March taught us is that the intersectionality of our personal or community causes, whether it be women's rights, LGBTQ rights, black lives matter, uh, Muslim, Muslim religious freedom, um, immigrants, uh, which of which this country is made up of, um, in addition to our native indigenous people and their rights, our rights, I'm all of the above. Um, so in, in, in those regards, I think that, uh, what we saw on Saturday with the women's March, people from around the country going to Washington DC to be present and be peaceful and be, not fighting, but insistent on a different kind of country and a different kind of world and the way that it's run, the way that it operates and how we look at one another. So I'm woke up folks, and I hope you are too. Smarter. Don't hold back. And you shouldn't even care about those noses in the air and the crooked 
much You may stumble, trip up, fall on your face Don't hold back We think it's time you get up Much time, back and sit up Come on, keep pace Don't hold back Put apprehension on the back burner Let it sit, don't even get it lit Don't hold back Get involved with the jam Don't be a prick Hot chick, be a pig Don't hold back The world is holding back The time has come to Listening to Women's Magazine here on MutinyRadio.fm. I'm Global Val, and I'm really happy to be here on this Friday, January 27th, 2017. We're getting it together, folks. And I thought I would read something, um, some some rather famous literature, and uh, it's it's more than literature. Um, I'd like to read since we're talking about the Constitution. Um, I'd like to read parts of uh, the Constitution, but first, I'm going to read part of the Declaration of Independence. This is the action of the Second Continental Congress, July 4th, 1776, the unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America. When, in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another, and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, Governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Prudence indeed will dictate that governments long established should, be, should not be changed for light and transient causes. And accordingly, all experience hath shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But, I'm talking to you, America. <laughs> You've been sitting on your couch for a while. I understand. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. Such has been the patient sufferance of these colonies. And such is now the necessity which constrains them to alter their former systems of government. The history of the present king of Great Britain is a history of repeated unjust in injuries and usurpations, all having in direct object the establishment of an absolute tyranny over these states. To prove this, let facts be submitted to a candid world. He has refused to his assent to laws, the most wholesome and necessary for the public good. He has forbidden his governors to pass laws of immediate and pressing importance, unless suspended in their operation till his assent should be obtained. And when so suspended, he has utterly neglected to attend to them. He has refused to pass other laws for the accommodation of large districts of people, unless those people would re relinquish their right of representation in the legislature, a right inestimable to them, and formidable to tyrants only. He has called together legislative bodies at, at places unusual, uncomfortable, and distant 
from the depository of their public records for the sole purpose of fatiguing them into compliance with his measures. He has dissolved representative houses repeatedly for opposing with manly firmness his invasions on the rights of the people. He has refused for a long time, after such dissolutions, to cause others to be elected, whereby the legislative powers incapable of annihilation have returned to the people at large for their exercise, the state remaining the meantime exposed to all the dangers of invasion from without and convulsions from within. He has endeavored to prevent the population of these states for that purpose, obstructing the laws for naturalization of foreigners, refusing to pass others to encourage their migrations hither, and raising the conditions of new appropriations of lands. I'm going to stop there, uh, but that was the uh, Declaration of Independence. And we see from that uh, intentions to uh, protect, in that last paragraph, the migration of peoples, um, and also uh, warning us against despotism um, and tyranny, where uh, father knows best, and I know more about what's real than you do, everyone else in the world, including the trained press corps. So just giving us a little perspective, folks. I'm going to play a little more music for you. And uh, I think I got a phone call coming in. Somebody was trying to call. But also, uh, in a few minutes, I'm, I'm hoping we can talk to uh, Roman Reimer from the Weekly Review, who was uh, just on the air previous to this show, and he's, as he is every Friday from 12 to 2 at Mutiny Radio. And uh, thank you for joining me today. Time has come to push the button. World, the time has come to push the button. World, the time has come to push the button. World, my finger is on the button. My finger is on the button. My finger is on the button. Push the button.
The time has come to v- galvanize. I'm Global Val here, Mutiny Radio. That was some music from the Chemical Brothers. I want to thank the uh, Chemical Brothers for making amazing music. And I want to welcome uh, our friend Roman Reimer from the Weekly Review, who was just in Washington, D.C. for the whole weekend of the inauguration of the Women's March. Welcome, Roman. Good to see Hi, you. Hi. Thanks for having me, Val. Dude, welcome back. Thank you. I mean... I know it's a lot to, uh, I'm sure it's a lot to process mm-hmm. even for, I mean, it's a lot to process for even folks who weren't there. Yeah. Um, give us a little, uh, update. What do you want to talk about, about what happened in Washington, DC? Well, there was a lot of resistance from weeks leading up to the inauguration. Folks came from across the country to really show up. And on the day of the inauguration, there was of course the disrupt J20. So folks took to blockading different uh, entrances, different checkpoints at the inauguration. There were folks from Black Bloc anarchists who were out there, as well as just individuals from different organizations. There's a lot of folks for climate justice, for instance, LGBTQ rights, Black Lives Matter, uh, women's rights organizations, just so many people really coming together. And that's one thing that this administration, this horrible administration has done, is that they have vilified and threatened so many communities that so many people's lives are at stake that it's really inspired us to really connect with one another and come together to fight back and to resist. So how long were you actually out there? It it wasn't that long, but it felt like a lot longer. I feel like it's similar to the what traffic is like here in the Bay Area, where you have to go from point A to point B, and it's only a couple miles, but it takes a long time. Mm. And it's that idea. I was only out there. I got in. I took a red eye out on Monday night, got in early Tuesday, and then I left Saturday evening. So I was only out there for a few days, but the time I was out there felt very intense. And I did want to stay a lot longer because there were still people out there still fighting. I bet. Um, so, yeah, you actually were got the perspective of being out there with that week, like ramping up. Mm-hmm. Um, so give us an idea of some of the some of the feelings that were out there. I mean, even just as an observer, uh, it seemed like the protests that were happening on J20 on the 20th, which was, of course, also the fifth anniversary of Occupy across the nation, shutting down big banks, which happened here in San Francisco yes. that day, too. Yes. Um, this year. Um, but but then followed by this massive women's march, which mm-hmm. was, you know, by, by most estimates, three times the size of the crowd that was there on Friday. Oh, easily. And a pe- and, 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 and largely peaceful. Yes. Give us a little bit of compare and contrast between J20 and the Women's March. Well, as you mentioned, there was quite a lot more people, like over a million people were there on that Saturday. And my thinking was that if that march had happened the day before, the inauguration wouldn't have happened. Hmm. Uh, not, to, not to say that there was definitely some overlap between the folks who were there to protest the inauguration. And there were quite a few people at the Women's March who, a lot of people, I'd say most people were very anti-Trump, anti-Pence, anti this new regime. There were folks, I think, who were there more for this idea of like a peaceful march while there is, I mean, a lot of the anti-inauguration marches were peaceful and at the same time very angry and very much like, let's shut this down by any means necessary. And I know that uh, there, like you were saying, you mentioned a little bit there about uh, shutting down some of the checkpoints mm-hmm. along the inauguration route. Yes. I, I was watching Democracy Now! that that day, and yes. uh, they were interviewing a group from Black Lives Matter yeah. who had chained themselves together mm-hmm. and to one of the barricades mm-hmm. so that they just ended up not using that checkpoint anymore, yes. like actually shutting it down. Yes. Um, what other... Um, Actions were you a part of or, or like witness to? Um, I we did a lot of marches, just kind of even like the days leading up to it, just going around. We would meet at McPherson Square and we'd rally there, walk around, and before that, we would even go to like high schools and hand out flyers to like a lot of the, the kids who were coming out, just to like let them know that they could participate in these marches as well. And to varying degrees, some folks seemed interested mm-hmm. and. We would meet at McPherson Square, we'd march, we'd have a few speakers, then we'd march in the streets. The first, I think, Wednesday, we ended up marching as close to the Capitol as we could get before the cops told us to stop. Mm -hmm. And then we'd, you know, set up and have a few speakers and rally people. And also while we were marching through the streets, we would get folks on the sidelines because there was a lot of support. And over 90% of the people in D.C. voted for Clinton anyway. Like the, the city itself is not a huge fan of Trump. Yeah. 
And after that, we went through Union Hall Station, the train station, and that was incredible. Great acoustics. Ooh, yeah. And also just, it's like a mall, and it's open. So we were able to go through chanting with our signs, and a lot of the people who were working there were kind of able to come out and to see us and to join in, and they were very excited to see us as well, and we were handing out stickers. And I think our presence there in the days leading up to it was also just to provide a voice and to let people know who are also feeling afraid, feeling angry, upset, saddened, to let them know that they also have a voice and they're not alone in that and they were also welcome to join us and to just to to bring voice to the the resistance yeah that's i mean and that means so much like i was talking about earlier you know a lot of people just you know if you're just isolated and you don't know what to do about it um seeing others get out there i mean i've I was amazed, just so inspired and, and encouraged by seeing all these women come out and actually go together and, and stand together and march and like, yes. and, and actually do it, you yes. know, and yes. pay attention and, and to see that maybe these people haven't just woken up necessarily, but that they have been paying attention, but just haven't been, uh, in a, in a space, uh, to, to, to express that. And, um, yeah, pretty amazing stuff. Absolutely. So what did some of the stickers say? Oh, I was with a group, I Refuse Fascism. So a lot of our stickers just say no. You might see that around, like the no. There's a sign even in here. And it's pretty much to, to stop Trump and Pence. And yeah, the, the message we really want is to, the, the idea was to prevent them from taking power in the first place. Because once they're in power, then that becomes a lot harder to rebel and to resist against them. Mm-hmm. So the days leading up to the inauguration was very much to see what can we do to prevent this inauguration from taking place. Yeah. And it's interesting, those the that phrasing of taking power. Um, and I, I've seen on newspapers, you know, oh, Trump takes power. Mm-hmm. And actually, Michael Moore spoke at the Women's March, and he's like, I saw the headlines and it said Trump takes power. He goes, no, no, no. Like, this is power. Yes, but, yes. But, and then another um, kind of perspective that's been, you know, kind of a different way to frame it mm-hmm. is, um, you know, this is a, <laughs> what was it saying? It was like, this is a, this is a temp job. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're watching our, our employee. Yes. And, uh, you know, I, I would add to that, you know, you know, when you're a new employee somewhere, you're on probation. Yep. Basically. Yep. So this whole idea, I don't know how far this tradition goes back about like the first hundred days, you know, I think the first hundred days should be a probation period. Yeah. I don't think it necessarily has to be this big, you know, uh, push for their agenda and all this stuff. It's like, no, that should be a training period. Cause this person has no government experience whatsoever. Yes. And you're seeing like in people in DC, which is overwhelmingly were uh, opposed to, to him yes. and to both of them, uh, Trump and Pence, um, both of which, by the way, can be impeached because they're president and vice president. I'll, I'll read you some more from the Constitution later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Get them both out of there. You know, but then uh, when you have someone like Donald Trump, it's so weird to say still. It's still so strange. Yes. Um, who has just been in business and real estate and, uh, you know, but has never held any sort of public office. Um, obviously is a wealthy person who inherited money and helped his father helped him get started in his own, you know, arm of their, of their, uh, construction uh, empire. Um, you know, someone who has never, you know, stood in line for financial aid Mm -hmm. and neither has his pick for department of education, Betsy DeVos, um, you know, someone who has never had to worry about where their, you know, next meals coming from. Mm -hmm. Um, but yet somebody who has in his business practices actually failed several times, gone bankrupt four times. The U S lending, uh, industry, all the banks haven't lent him any money in a very long time, which leads us to see that he's getting funding from outside the country. Mm -hmm. Um, he's refused to release tax returns. Mm -hmm. I mean, all, I mean, just so many violations like stacked up one after the other. Yeah. And so, um, I don't think, I don't think that they really realize that there are things in place that are going to prevent them from doing a lot of things that he was promising people he would do. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm really heartened by the fact that people in America are saying, Hey, 
We're watching. We're doing things. We're going to pay attention. We're going to call our senators all the time. We're going to uh, write letters, make phone calls, get together, uh, learn, you know, learn about what other people are doing and just stay on top of it and make this temporary employee accountable to the American people. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're fired. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that was one of my favorite signs at the J twenty March gathering here in San Francisco, which just yeah. said you're fired. Yep. You know, I mean, you 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 kind of reap what you sow, right? Right. So hmm, we'll and see. At, and at the same time, it, it's also providing a place for people to come together and have each other's backs. Whether that's been to there's been reports of like the ICE agents right. at a school here in the in the Mission at the Good Samaritan Center. Uh, just to really talk about like the different communities that are being affected and for us to watch out for one another. So, and just seeing that we're all connected, whether it's like the pipelines, whether it's immigrants, whether it's people being threatened to be deported, whether it's Islamophobia, LGBT rights, women's rights. I mean, like so many rights and so many people are being affected by this. Yeah. It's the civil liberties that we need, that we, that we need to expand and that we all cherish. Um, we do see as kind of like blanketly being threatened. Um, Yeah, what I was going to say. Oh yeah. No, let's, I mean, but let's seriously speaking though, about the, um, the threat of this administration against the first amendment rights. Mm-hmm. You were talking about, uh, what happened to some journalists yes. who were there. Tell us about that. Yeah. Uh, I know a friend, uh, Matt Hopard, he was arrested over 200 people were arrested on inauguration day and at least four of the journalists, I think 10 people at least, are being faced with uh, felony rioting charges and up to 10 years. Maybe that's what 10 is in my mind. It's up to 10 years in jail. That's what they're being threatened with. And I believe the hearings are going to be in March. And a lot of lawyers are very concerned about this because this is completely unprecedented. That Because were these people, I mean, they were obviously there, mm-hmm. um, but were they there as journalists or were they there as, as participants? Do you know anything about details about what they were doing at that point in time uh, i'm not sure about the point in time but just the one person i know in, for instance he he's like an independent journalist so it was just there to either like record what was happening and yeah. another person i know who's also arrested was also more of an activist i'd say yeah um, and also just just there just to be there right and not causing any harm and then also even if they i mean that's the whole idea i was talking uh with a friend of mine charlotte in the last just this program before about how people see the images of the limousine being burned or the broken windows. And somehow people are more upset about that than they are seeing the police mace people and like elderly people and chronically ill people. Like they're just, they're out there. The police are out there attacking people. And for some reason people seem to focus on the violence of the protesters as opposed to the violence of the state. Right. I I agree. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's, that's a bought and sold for mainstream media as well. Um, Yeah. If you, I mean, but what's so, amazing is that we have these alternative medias we have every almost everybody in america has a video camera in their hand or in their pocket and you could you could watch hundreds of videos of some of the some of the um actions that the police in dc were taking i mean spraying pepper spraying people like in the face like right in the face like not not for what yeah the children got hit i saw that that elderly woman elderly couple the man was in crutches she was in a walker yeah and they were just spraying kind of indiscriminately towards people who at that point in time in what the moment i saw weren't doing anything violent. Right, right. They were present. Yeah. They were there. Yes. Maybe some of them were loud and saying things, but you know, I mean, you flip the flip the the put the foot on put it put on the other shoe put the shoe on the other foot. So yeah. sorry. <laughs> and and you know, okay, so if if protesters were macing the police in the face, that that's going to get them arrested. Oh, sure. You know, yes. but people who just happen to be like en masse on the street, you know, f- for whatever stated purpose, but not armed, mm-hmm. um, you know, and uh, and then just being attacked. They were using like sound grenades and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. A lot of the tactics that Flash they've been using. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. Like basically like little mini miniature explosions. Yes. Um to try to scatter people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also there's, um, a, a group of people who are 
uh, legal observers. Yes, yeah. And they were caught up in some of the fray as well. Mm -hmm. Like these people are just like, okay, we're there to just as legal, um, you know, counsel to be there and make sure that people's civil rights are not violated. Right. And yet these folks who are there on the sidelines clearly identified are getting rushed by police. Yep. I mean, this is... It, I mean, this is part of the problem that's been going yeah. on and we see it and, 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 you know, it's ongoing. Um, but I think that seeing it and knowing this, that what's happening is, you know, it's, it's, we're, it's halfway there. Yeah. We're, you know, with people getting together in the black lives Matter uh, matter movement, um, and the anti-police terror project. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, we're, we're, we're forging, uh, a new way to look at things. Right. And I think it's also important that we really recognize this and call it out for what it is, which is fascism, whether it's Steve Bannon telling the, the media, to, like shutting down media, um, telling the, the EPA and the scientists and the, even the fucking, excuse me. Well, no, not excuse no. me, but like the fucking park <laughs> rangers, even telling the park rangers not like what? It's just, it's ridiculous. I mean, and then also just arresting people. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, their bills in different States about, uh, banning peaceful protests. Right. Didn't even get to that on the show today, but yeah, I, mean, I talked about it a little bit last week on yeah. Women's Magazine. I'm yeah. pretty sure. Um, yeah, the one in North Dakota mm-hmm. that's been proposed, oh, oh. which would allow um, it, it, that which would allow motorists, if they hit and kill uh, a protester who happens to be on a highway, mm-hmm. if they do it by accident, it's fine. Accident in quotation marks. Right. So I mean, that's a direct threat. Yeah. To the people in North Dakota who are out there protesting and protecting the waters. Um, and yeah, no, I know we, we, you and I could get pretty, pretty riled up right now. Oh yeah. But, yeah. um, let's, let's, let's try to wrap up and, and say, what are we, what are we going to take? What did you take away from being in Washington, DC? There's incredible camaraderie. And so many organizers and so many activists and people from different places and different mindsets and different places on the political spectrum mm-hmm. and people speaking up and different tactics, too. You got the black bloc anarchists, have to tip my hat to them. You got folks who are like hardcore communists. You got folks who are citizens who might be not on any political like mindset necessarily, but are just there because they know it's wrong. So many people showed up. And the fact that it really, we are the majority, they're, they're the idea that we are the majority. The majority of the people do not want him to be in power. They don't want this regime to be in power. And people were able to show up in person. And that's only for people who are physically able to, because there's plenty of people who aren't physically able to or her had other commitments. So recognizing so many people were there and we just have to, the thing is that we have to really keep up this resistance in any way we can. Yeah. Because I'd like to congratulate Donald Trump on becoming the most unpopular man in the world. Hell Yeah. You're listening to Women's Magazine, folks. I'm Global Val. This is Roman Reimer. Thank you, Roman. Thank you, Val. From the Weekly Review. You should definitely listen to that show here on Mutiny Radio every Friday from 12 to 2. And, of course, the podcasts are available as well. Uh, MutinyRadio.fm. Fuck yeah. Free speech. San Francisco.
listening to Women's Magazine on Mutiny Radio. FM in San Francisco. I'm Global Val, and I started writing a poem this morning based on a phone call that I received last night. It's not quite done, but we'll see how far I can get in the next couple minutes. Uh, Here we go. It's called, I'm Not White and Neither Are You. A call center. This was the call last night. A call center wants to know my opinion on the national situation. Yes, please. But first, we need some identifiable information. Year of birth, that's fine, but also your racial affiliation. Are you Hispanic, of Hispanic descent, or Caucasian? Pause. Are you African American or some kind of Asian? Perhaps from a Pacific Island or other? I say yes. I am human. The caller says, Well, thank you for your time. And I say, wait, I want to answer your questions about our national situation. I'm sorry, but we can't proceed. I need to submit your racial affiliation. And it wouldn't accept it when I tried to type in human. So let me get this straight. The system doesn't want my opinion unless I capitulate to a psychological construct of race. Well then, it's time for a little education. Hispanic refers to a language and not a real location. If you had asked Latina, it still would not account for the mixing of blood through colonization. It might be a good time to mention that my first generation father experienced so much discrimination that he refused to teach Spanish to his children because English speaking and white was equated with privilege. Did you even ask me if I was Native American? Is that considered an option? Or is that system under the impression that we've become extinct and nullified? All right, so I'll tell you what. Let's just say that I'm white. Despite the fact that the Caucasus is a mountain range between Asian and Russia where I'm pretty sure my family never resided, I'll look down at my winter white legs, rosy cheeks, and claim my Irish pride. Scottish, French, and Dane, but only if that includes my Mediterranean claim. After all, this country is named after an Italian map maker. And, like Vespucci, I draw my own lines. So, please, let me tell you what I think about our national situation. So check your box, and let's get on with the questions. Pause. I'm sorry, ma'am. We've already maxed out on your demographic. True story, folks. Hey, thanks for listening to Women's Magazine. Tune in next week. And actually, stay tuned. Common Thread Collective coming up next. And remember, just when your aspirations seem outrageous, you know, like declaring your independence, remember, inspiration is contagious. Peace and thank you. And go, women. We're going to do this right. Stand up, China. Stand up, Palestine, Kosovo, get a world. Stand up.